So do we talk about the Oscars or do we just let it just like let it happen? It already happened. I mean, but. yeah. I mean, I feel like we kind of have to talk about the Oscars. I, I guess you know it's a movie podcast. Yeah. We should do our due diligence. Yeah. Say the same thing that everybody else has already said. Because yeah, everyone was wondering, is the prologue for the new Mortal Kombat episode going to be about the Oscars? Right, right. Our <laughs> undying fan base yes. has been clamoring to know what our thoughts on the Absolutely. Oscars are. And uh, I don't know. I thought it was pretty tame and kind of boring and standard for the most part until the very end where it kind of <laughs> felt like an impromptu train wreck because yeah. it wanted to be. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, it was an incredibly unexciting and inoffensive um, yeah. Oscar ceremony overall. There weren't really any picks where I was like, boo, or any that I was like really, you know, oh, yeah. fist pumping for. Um, I thought the like production of it was actually kind of nice. I liked um, the Golden Globes lounge vibe. Yeah, the I little, that. little more intimate space. And mm-hmm. I liked a lot of the camera work and how they kind of... The you know and speakers and announcers and stuff were like in the crowd talking to the camera and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it was just kind of more fun than the usual typical stage auditorium layout that they have going on. Yeah, um, but yeah, the 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 ending was definitely. I it's hard to imagine how that happened. I mean, I guess they. I I don't know if they were trying to save face by. Ending the ceremony as quickly as possible after Chadwick didn't win. So the thing that has been thrown around, which I think makes it even wilder, is that apparently, truly, the producers of the Oscars do not know who wins. Like, they go in just as blind as anyone watching it, and they just assumed, apparently, that Chadwick was going to win because he was the favorite for a lot of people. And when Anthony Hopkins, which... Here's the thing, I've not watched The Father, but I've heard most people who do say that he is absolutely phenomenal in the film. Yeah, so I'm not yeah. saying he doesn't deserve it. No knock it. against him. But they were very much waiting for him, to Bozeman, to win. And when he didn't, it did the impromptu, let's cut to Questlove and he'll just finish it for us. Yep. Which is weird, because now what makes it more interesting is not only did Anthony Hopkins go to bed and did not watch the Oscars at all because he did not expect to win because he was in Wales. He's in his 80s. Yeah, he has his own kind of problems with how the Oscars are run. But apparently rumor has it that Hopkins already told Coleman that if for some reason he wins, like, she can accept the award for him. And apparently they didn't know that, or they were just so... They did know that, but they were so shocked that Bozeman still didn't win that they were just like, we gotta finish it. Yeah. But it's not even just that. I mean, the 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 latter forty five, no, latter thirty minutes of already a three hour and fifteen minute show, which doesn't should just be two, maybe two and a half if you're feeling nasty. But yeah. the fact that like from Little Rail Howery onward, it just felt like they were either wasting time because they had to, mm-hmm. or they just made bad decisions and didn't think about how we <laughs> could turn around on them. Yeah. Because the in memoriam thing is also something that people that have been bringing up, ugly, yeah. which was kind of wild. Because in memoriams have been, they're usually slow at the Oscars, but mainly because they take their time they and they everyone. show yeah, they show clips of the bigger ones. Because of yeah. course they do. But not only did they not have every single entertainer that died last year, which I know there's a lot of people, but at the same time, right. it's weird not to have all the actors and actresses that were that have died and have been in films and television and media in that. But it's just the fact that, like, 
it was like a more upbeat song. It's a song that I actually like. <laughs> yeah. And they were cutting to different immemorium people while the song was getting faster as if the song was leading the immemorium, which was even <laughs> yeah. weirder. And so then, yeah, certain people got like half a second on screen and then cut to the next person. Yeah. And then other people got like five seconds. And it's just like, this feels awkward and... Like, you're not really... Like, you're just trying to breeze through the yeah. some people to get to others, and that just felt gross. Because by the time we, we got to that point, practically everyone who had won had basically... was predicted to win. I think the octopus teacher was the only one mm. that people are like, ooh, the octopus teacher won. Not saying it's a bad film. I haven't seen it, but I've heard I really people... Liked re- it. Yeah. yeah, people really like it who have seen it, but it's just the fact that most of the people who won last night, it was like... Yeah, she's won the Golden Globe. They've yeah. won the BAFTA. They've won the SAG. They've done all of these things. It makes sense that they'd win this. Until we get to the end where it's like, we're not doing best picture at the end anymore. We're going to do best <laughs> actor last. And it's very clear why they did that. And it <laughs> backfired yeah, horribly. And now it's at this weird moment where it's like, well, now this is what the Oscars are going to be known for for the rest of their lives. <laughs> it's similar to like, the Moonlight La La Land fiasco, yeah. where it's like, it should have been a time for the people who made Moonlight to, you know, get the praise they deserved when they won Best Picture, but instead, the Academy and the producers fucked it up. Yeah, and you and, muddle that moment yeah. with, oh, and La La, La Land didn't win? Oh, yeah, sorry, now, guys, we gotta take the award from you. And, and now Moonlight is the film that beat La La Land, <laughs> and that's what it'll always be known for by a lot of right. people. Right. Like, the, the only other thing that kind of grossed me out about the ceremony was in relation to the in memoriam thing uh angela bassett's like intro speech to it it's really it weird super hammed up yeah and melodramatic it, and tacky like i don't know it was kind of wild like how slam poetry or something yeah it was kind of wild how regina king <laughs> when she opened up the oscars was talking about it being being live and being real and trying to be you know, as safe as can be with masks in terms of just, like, being able to, you know, not cover any voices. Like, just be very honest and upfront. And then here comes Angela Bassett, (laughs) who is absolutely just hamming it up and prepped to talk about In Memoriam, and it felt so weirdly... I don't it know if I like, it just yeah I it just it just didn't feel right it was like yeah. oh why I don't want to assume what she was going for but it just felt like this like using the spotlight and it was just a weird time to do that because you're about to honor dead people yeah and it's like I, why are you making this about you I don't know I feel like that might be another producer's yeah, choice or be. directing choice and it was she just was like told to yeah. amp it up or something and that was the Oscars it yeah. is. It has been now dominated by the Anthony Hopkins win, who, good on him for winning. It's his it's his second total win. Yep, and no. he's the oldest winner. Yes, ever. he is. He's now the oldest winner, and he accepted it gracefully in Wales. Yeah, the and next dedi- morning. And dedicated it to Chadwick Boseman, which, yeah. what a good man. Yeah. Good for him. And now we're going to talk about the biggest Oscar film of 2022. <laughs> but before we get to that... Hello everyone, I'm Logan Sowash. And I'm Andy Carr. And this is Odd Trilogies with Logan and Andy. In case you don't know what Odd Trilogies is, it's where we take a trio of films and we talk about the good, the bad, and the weird surrounding them. And today, we are talking about the reboot of Mortal Kombat. Last week we talked about Mortal Kombat 1, 
the Mortal 1995 Kombat. film. Yes, yeah, so we talked about 95's Mortal Kombat and 97's Mortal Kombat Annihilation. <laughs> and now we're past that. Well, Logan, you don't sound excited about Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Yeah, because we're... Oh, I'm excited we don't have to talk about yeah. it anymore. But here we are in 2021, nearly 30 years since the first film came yeah. out. And with the live-action Mortal Kombat trilogy, we're ending it off with the latest release of the reboot, just called Mortal Kombat. And it's been very interesting, just the the process of getting this film out in terms of, like, I'm pretty sure this film has been announced since, I don't know, 2018, 2019, in terms of James Wan. James Wan, as the producer, was, like, one of the first things we had heard about the film, and then nothing. Right. Then during COVID, I mean, when WB announced that they were doing their, you know, putting it on HBO Max the same day as theaters idea, they also announced that Mortal Kombat was coming out in April, <laughs> and we had seen absolutely nothing, and we are like, okay, this movie's going to get pushed, right? Yeah. Like Space Jam 2, it's not really coming out next year, right? Cut to this year, we get a trailer. It looks wild, it looks fun, and it obviously was like, okay, this is a real movie, they just didn't want to advertise it until yeah. like two months prior. Right, and then, it, mm-hmm. yeah. Then here you it know, is. Here we are, it's on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. It is also in theaters, if you it want is to in check theaters. it out, yep. but, um, if you feel comfortable yeah. with that, but otherwise, you can watch it in the safety of your own home, and yep. I, I, that's how I watched it, and that's, I'd say that's yeah. about how... You know, you don't need to watch it on the big screen. No, you don't but have to. It could be a good time. Oh yeah, it's, it would be fun on the big screen. But yeah, it was. I saw it at home too, and I mean, overall, I had a fun time. Yeah. Like I, I think it's kind of wild to see people's responses to this. Where this movie's rough. It has a lot of issues that I hope if it gets Un- a sequel, unpolished would be a good word. It is. For yeah, it. yeah, it's unpolished. It's rough. There's definitely some criticisms I've seen from both fans and critics that if they make a sequel, please, for the love of God, <laughs> listen, because yeah. I think they're in the right place. At the same time, though, I have seen some criticisms for this film where it's like, oh, my God, it's just not as fun or as good as the 95 film. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, guys, yeah, I, I, guys, come on. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've seen a lot of the same, and it kind of was bumming me out before I watched it, mm-hmm. um, just because most of the, like, the response from actual like fans that i was seeing was like man that movie was buns and it's like really like is it really that bad and then i watched it and it's it's not i mean it's i guess i was my my response is what did you expect i mean i was certainly hoping for better and that's not to say it's an awful movie i enjoyed it but like Mm -hmm. Well, it's you know if you look at the the history of Mortal Kombat films, like what is, what is your standard here? Like yeah, and I don't know. I I don't maybe enjoy the '95 Mortal Kombat as a lot of, as much as a lot of fans do, mm-hmm. and I'd be willing to wager there's a certain amount of nostalgia contributing to that what? that I'm no. not a part of. Um, but you know, I just don't really know how you can like love the shit out of 95 Mortal Kombat and then look at this and be like, man, they really dropped the ball. Yeah. It's, it's like, what? It's so weird because it's like you are comparing two films that have come out at vastly different points in the video game's career. Mm-hmm. When the first film came out, MK3 had just come out and the first three Mortal Kombat games are arcade, Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis smashers, like Everyone's playing them, but no one gives a flying fuck about the story. Right, right. And the only people who know are the ones who are, like, looking in the instruction manuals yeah. for combos, the and then nerds. they read yeah. They read the plot. By the time this movie has come out, 
the 2021 version, basically Mortal Kombat has now become an interactive movie in its own right. Yeah. In a very cheesy, tongue-in-cheek, but serious way. heavy with the story. Yeah, MK11 looks gorgeous and looks like real people, (laughs) and it's still a wildly violent, hilarious, silly video game series. Yeah, and at the same time, they're going balls to the wall with, like, a, you know, interdimensional, Mm inter-time dimensional storyline yeah, with the, all these different yeah the, the last game is i'm sick of this timeline i want to change it <laughs> yeah. after they already did that with nine yeah, so it's, it's so like it's like it's it's a much more yeah. i don't know established and influential and complex mm-hmm. piece of media at this point or property yes. no yeah uh, to be pulling from so it's it's i think in a certain way this movie seems kind of shockingly bare bones and simple it is only only in contrast to the fact that mortal kombat has come so far yeah mortal kombat's so much more i don't so much more complex at least in Mm -hmm. the lore and the storylines and stuff that like you know in 2021 to be like okay we're going back to the very beginning we're going to tell the like bare bones beginning of the story we're going to tell the arcade story from 92 (laughs) before we can get to you know mk9 or whatever if they ever want to do that but I think when I was watching the film, and spoilers ahead in case you didn't already know that, but when it kind of, it's pretty much revealed in the film that the main antagonist to a degree is Sub-Zero, who is yeah. not an antagonist in the games. He's more of a, uh, he's, he's antagonistic he's a rival to Scorpion, Scorpion so but he's not like, a bad guy. Right, they're both kind of just on yeah. opposite sides of a, mm-hmm. of a conflict but, there. But when they basically make him like almost a an evil ninja that is yeah. under Shang Tsung's control, which he does that in He's the games a lot. basically the Terminator yeah. in this movie. which I think Joe Taslim yeah. kills it. I think as... it's a fun role for Scorpion and for Joe to oh, for play sure. out. Oh, for sure. But it I isn't mean, a unique choice. No, yeah. But I, I was watching it, and when I saw that, there was a part of me that was like, oh, I don't think we're going to get the... Uh, the backstab or the or the reveal like in the video games where it's like well Sub Zero actually didn't kill Scorpion's family it was uh, another character I feel like it's actually in the in the new films it's gonna be straightforward as like B Han is an antagonist right but then I also realized like we're at a point in video games where if I just want to experience that story I can play it mm-hmm. and it's pretty much a movie on itself or which is also hilarious to think which is completely different than the old games. You can just go on YouTube and watch the cutscenes like <laughs> yeah, a yeah. movie. Right. So it's like I'm kind of okay with the new films doing it their own thing and trying to do yeah. different things. Yeah. Well, when the, and, yeah when the games have such an elaborate and complex and seems to be honestly well done story in their own right, it's yeah. like why not experiment? Especially when there have already been two Mortal mm-hmm. Kombat films in the past. The yeah. first of which was pretty faithful it was it was fun and dumb and cheesy it's dumb yeah yeah, and, yeah but which like story wise yeah. fairly faithful which i will admit the original film has a cheese that i will always love and it <laughs> yeah. is kind of sad that it's not in this film but it also it's in two different decades i don't yeah. I, sh- I don't really necessarily expect that type of tongue-in-cheek cheese yeah i would also say to that like in on one hand the cheese is not entirely gone uh, it's not totally no, lost it's not. on 2021 um, and also, I think in some cases the cheese kind of you know hampers itself in the '90s version, probably just mm-hmm. by way of being a '90s movie and a video game movie of that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, this one was a little bit more goofy and fun and 
and willing to just have a good time than I was expecting. It seemed a little more self-serious from the trailers. And it takes the kind of overall story more seriously, maybe. Mm -hmm. Which is like the games now. Yeah, yeah. But it still has fun. The characters are still kind of, you Mm -hmm. know... I mean, Kano is a, you know... A wisecracker, and they're, they're, they're goofy yeah. as heck. And... Which, do you know who Kano's from, right? Uh, what do you mean, the actor? Yeah, the actor. No. You've actually seen him before. I know you have. Oh, he's a, he's have. one of the Murdoch kids in Bombshell, one of Rupert Murdoch's sons. Oh, okay. Which he's, I think he's the one with the glasses. He's, like, the older one. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. But, like, he's an Australian actor. Right. And he's, yeah, it's, it's like, the cheese is still there. Yeah, But absolutely. I think in this... What really got me about the new Mortal Kombat that I really appreciated is, like, I don't think anything is too astounding in this film, but I felt like this film, whether it's the writers, the directors, the producers, they all kind of had enough knowledge of the video games that, like, when the moments are like, hey, this is from the games, not only did it feel like it felt natural and very fun when it worked, but also it made me show that these are people who actually kind of give a shit about the property, like... I mean, everyone's brought it up, and I do think it's one of the better jokes in the in the movie. But the Liu Kang down down kick spamming that happens oh, when Kano's yeah, fighting yeah, him, yeah, yeah. like that is a joke I never expected to see done yeah. in a Mortal Kombat film, let alone done so well <laughs> and so well bit. executed. Where it was like, even I didn't catch it initially, but I still thought that was a funny moment. Yeah, yeah. And um, I mean, there are things in the film where it's like I don't necessarily know. Why you have to the the whole idea of Arcana and the uh, the powers yeah, you unlock your power that, set that is a weird thing that like I hope they bring up more in the next film because I've had multiple people go so you're telling me Jax's Arcana is that he just makes metal arms he gets, yeah his arms get upgraded yeah. and what? it's like it's like well maybe we'll see in the next film maybe he has a rocket I don't know we'll figure <laughs> it out. It's yeah. so much fun. Well, it, was like an, it's... it was kind of an odd way to... Because clearly that, that idea was brought into the script to kind of make the bridge from, oh, this is a... This is a you know, uh, Cole is a real-world character living yes. in the real world, and bridging that into this fantasy yeah, with a, with warrior a... tournament idea. Yeah, with a it's... fucking ice ninja. We, yeah, yeah. It's so not... It's like they're not one-in-one. One. Like... Right. They, they put... Yeah. You can't... The way they set this story up in this version... You can't just have normal, ordinary people going up against yeah. these super-powered beings, some of them gods. Like, that's another um, modern <laughs> thing where I think, in, at least in the reboot, again, I when it, there was a point between, like, Mortal Kombat 5, which I think de- there's Deadly Alliance, to, like, Armageddon. I kind of played those at friends' houses, mm-hmm. but never really knew the lore. Right. Except for Zombie Liu Kang. I thought that was so silly and <laughs> yeah. dumb. But... In the newer games, pretty much everyone who fights in those games has some sort of kind of overpowered kind of ability or like meta human ability. Yeah. Where it's like Johnny Cage has like this green aura that he can just like throw fireballs <laughs> like in his like this green kind of right, and like right. Sonya has what she has in the movie like, like the Sonic si- blasters. yeah like Sonic blasts. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you have to do that, I think, to a degree, because when you when you think about, oh, these are just two normal people. Yeah, you kind of have to come who, up with an excuse yeah, for all of that. They're fighting, like, demonic, evil creatures from other dimensions. Surely mm-hmm. we can do a thing where, like, there's energy in the world and everyone has that power. You just right. can't. You just can't tap into it like other people. Yeah. And in this film, they're like, they try to fix that or at least try to get around that by saying, like, it's still a real world 
But if you have the Mortal Kombat logo somewhere on your body, <laughs> you can also have powers. Right, right. And it's kind of funny. I do think it's a little bit flawed, but I do think it could be fun in the future yeah. figuring that out. At the and, same time, I, I kind of... I almost wouldn't blame them, and I think might actually like it if they almost kind of just graduated beyond that Arcana storyline in future movies. Just mm-hmm. like kind of, you know, hand wave it as okay, all the main characters they from the last movie they already have their Arcana, and yeah. everybody else we introduce at this point is going to have their Arcana already. It was funny too because I think they almost kind of do that by the end of the film because like one of the funniest things about this Mortal Kombat film is the plot itself is. Shang Tsung wants to kill everyone in Earthrealm that is going to be in combatant because he doesn't want Mortal Kombat to happen. Yeah, he's basically is, trying to, uh, like, Nancy Kerrigan Mortal Kombat. Yeah, like, which is so funny because at a certain point it's like, not only is that silly for a first film, but that yeah. also sounds like a genuine plot in one of the... Which, by... Because, yeah. like, yeah, the games are like... The first game is like, Shang Tsung wants to win Mortal Kombat. He loses... Number two, Shao Kahn wants to win Mortal Kombat. Mm. He loses Mortal Kombat three. Shao Kahn just goes, "Fuck it, I'm gonna invade. No <laughs> yeah. one's gonna stop me." Yeah. So like they, so are, it was they already to didn't just skip to that. <laughs> yeah. And um, by the end of like, I think halfway through the film, or like maybe a little bit early on in the act, act one is like Sonya basically tells Cole, who is our protagonist, which we will fucking get to about him. <laughs> He's one of the worst parts of this film. But Sonya basically tells Cole that like. Practically all the combatants on Earth have almost been wiped out. Yeah. And then by the end of the film, it's like, ooh, there's a new slew. we got to go find them. And it's like, wait a minute. They're right. just there? Yeah. <laughs> they weren't there the whole time? Right. Okay. <laughs> well, that's fine. Whatever. I'm okay with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially when one of them is Johnny Cage. The fact that he they're going to go see him in his film is called Citizen Cage <laughs> made me so happy. Yeah, that was a really great bit. And oh. it was funny that we were talking about I think we were talking about last week about how I don't know if Johnny Cage could fit in this you yeah. know, version of the mm-hmm. Mortal Kombat story. And I just love that that's the promise of the next movie, basically, is yeah. we're doing Johnny Cage. I think a lot of people have made a good point. We'll just go right into Cole. Fuck it. Let's get to it now. Yeah. With Cole, a lot of people believe, I don't know if this is for certain because I don't think Warner Brothers is ever going to come out and say this. Cole very much feels like a studio thing. Yeah. Where it's like, listen... In the original film, there was Sonya, there was Liu Kang, there was Johnny Cage. I don't know if we need a... Because, like, if you switch them out, Johnny Cage is the lead in this film. And it's like, I don't know if we want a tongue-in-cheek goofball to who basically is his most notable move is to do splits and hit someone in the dick is really going to be the lead that we want in a (laughs) semi-serious film. Well, yeah, they also might have wanted to stay away from the 95 approach of making Liu Mm -hmm. Kang the main character just to make it that much more accessible to people, pull in somebody from kind of the real or modern world, whereas Liu Kang is this more Mm -hmm. kind of monastic, mystical-type character. Which I will now say, I would like him to be the lead in the next film. Oh, sure. I, I, I really think, liked I, his I Luke think Ludi Lin was actually yeah. really fun as Liu Kang. I, I've seen a lot of memes kind of shitting on this Liu Kang and, like, putting up, you know, side-by-side images of, you know, the jacked... Uh, yeah, is it Robin Shu? Robin Shu yeah. from the first one, and uh, Ludi Lin just kind of standing there, and they're like, oh, bring me back my... My Liu Kang. I was like, what was wrong with this one? I, I went into the movie thinking, oh, they're going to blow Liu Kang. He's going to get his yeah. the crap beaten out of him or something. But I yeah. thought he was great. Yeah, I mean, they also set him up in a fun way that the original film kind of doesn't really do, like in the games, where at least in the newer games, it's like 
Liu Kang's biggest thing is like he's basically told he's supposed to save Earthrealm with all these other people. Yeah. And in this film, he has a bit more of a complex and bit more of an arc in terms of like or conflict in terms of the fact that like his cousin Kung Lao is supposed to be the champion yeah. of Earthrealm. And Kung Lao dies. Right. And now Liu Kang doesn't f- truly believe that he should be the leader of Earthrealm, yeah. or at least the savior, which he does become in the games. Mm-hmm. But I think that's a lot more interesting than in all honesty. Yes, I get it. Robin Shu was perfect for Liu Kang in 95, but at the same time, yeah. he wasn't a perfect character. Right. He was still pretty fucking bare bones. <laughs> he was he kind of whines through the majority of the yeah. film, and it's just like, I just want to kill Shang Tsung. Give me to Shang Tsung. Like, <coughs> yeah. And it's not until like, truly, I guess, the end of the film where you have that fun emotional moment in the 95 film mm. where like he talks to his brother and he overcomes his own right like, they kind insecurities. of do all the character development at once right there <laughs> yeah but it's like it's again it's one of those things where it's like i'm not saying you don't you can't like the 95 oh, version right i still enjoy the 95 version but at the same time let's not pretend that it's a fucking masterpiece because it's not a masterpiece yeah, yeah. it is just as flawed, if not more flawed in places than this film is. Yeah, I mean, honestly, and, I would say I enjoyed this about the, on the same level as 95, maybe yeah. even slightly more, though for kind of different reasons. I think it's a bit of a better film than 95, yeah. mainly because of the effects. Yeah, <laughs> 95 is, in my mind, kind of a bad movie that's made a good experience by its just kind of full embrace yeah. of the schlock. Oh, it accepts and, it wholeheartedly. Yeah. Whereas this is more kind of a an even keel film that's just kind of a mixed bag of good elements and kind of mm-hmm. poorly executed studio elements. Which I think is also kind of crazy, too. I think people have looked into it. If 95 was made today, like if they had the same budget, it'd be about $45, $50 million, mm-hmm. I think, to make it. This film apparently took about 55 Oh, wow. So it had almost as much, if not a little bit more, than the 95 yeah. film to make yeah. it. And it already looks a hundred times better because it's just made now. Yeah. Because, like, honestly, I think, because, like, people are kind of, like, saying, oh, they're doing the effects in the dark because they look bad. And it's like, I don't think the effects look bad. I mean, they're certainly, yeah, when when we're kind of spoiled on, you know, Star Wars and Marvel. Yeah, $200 million films. Everything looks amazing. Um, yeah, it, it looks a little bit less convincing. I mm-hmm. think the one thing that stood out to me the most, which is just shocking that this was the most glaring aspect, was uh, Raiden's eyes. Like it, lo- <laughs> it just looked like they, you know, masked out his eyes and just increased the lightness on them. Like it looked that's, that's so fair. bad. That's fair. Um, and so I, some of the blood looked straight out of the video game, which yes, is fine, yes. but a little goofy. Yeah. I think I think Nadara is probably the one that stuck out the most. The it's just the lady. harpy. Yeah, yeah, the harpy, and it's just like... <laughs> it's split in half. Yeah, let's talk about the fact that, like, the reason why I was, like, I'm 100% sold on sequels is the fact that Kung Lao's fatality not only is from the video game, but it's just yep. gorgeously done. Oh, yeah. And not only is it gorgeously done, he also says flawless victory, <laughs> yeah. and it actually is a real flawless victory. Right, right. Like, Whereas, he, unlike yeah, 95, yeah. It's not a flawless victory. <laughs> and, again, it's just like... It's really weird because I don't think the actor who plays Cole Young is an awful actor. I just think no. that character sucks. Yeah. And it's, I, I, it's yeah. almost like, oh my gosh, we, we're going to feel more for him if he has a family. And it's like, I don't care I don't, anymore. Yeah, anytime they were that. cutting back to the family, I was like, no. Yeah, I was go like, back I was to like you're Mortal not going to kill stuff. that family, so stop trying yeah. to pull that on me. Yeah. Like, just don't do that. I, and, didn't, I didn't hate everything about his journey, but mm-hmm. it did feel a little bit like just kind of 
I don't know. We're here. We're here to watch this fantasy mm-hmm. fight. You know, super violent fantasy epic and. I just didn't really care every time we cut to like a hotel in Gary, Indiana to watch <laughs> his family talk about, oh, Sub-Zero's coming for us. Yeah. I mean, I think as his character, an MMA fighter who is down on his luck but has the potential to be greater. That's a really cool is, idea. It's basically a Mortal Kombat yeah. character almost to a T. <laughs> I mean, those fucking Tomfas he had, I was like, that's actually, I could see him, someone having those yeah. weapons in a game. Well, you, well I was wondering but, the whole time, I was like, okay. Are they gonna add Cole Young into the games that would after be, this movie? I I would love it if that was a thing. Yeah. I don't necessarily know. Right, and I they th- they gave him a pretty cool arcana, like a cool power, the, <laughs> the power of friendship. The, the power, not only the power of friendship, the power of Aquaman armor plus yeah, bladed yeah, yeah. tonfas. Right, right. And he, I mean, he kills Goro. That was yeah. a fun, that was also a f- I thought all the fighting was fun. Yeah, all I the don't fights have any fun. issue. I will say my biggest issue is all that fighting is at the end. Yeah, it like, takes a while to get into it's, it. It is a bit of a it honestly, if there's anything I will give the 95 film, I don't think the 95 film ever felt as slow at its worst as this film did at its worst. Yeah, well, that, <laughs> that movie is almost probably a little bit too fast for its own good. Oh, yeah. They, they it's kept, never they, slow. They added fights into yeah, that film yeah. because they're like, well, we got to add more. Yeah, and this one is just a little bit, yeah, it kind of drags as you're waiting to get in. And mm-hmm. kind of to expound upon that, the whole movie feels a little bit like a waiting game because we never actually get to Mortal Kombat. That's another thing, too, <laughs> is like at a certain point, I was like, I think we're like 45 minutes in and we're not... I don't think we're going to get an actual tournament. Yeah. But then by the end of the film where it's like, we're going to do our own impromptu tournament, I was yeah. like, that's fine. I'm it, okay it's a way with to that. do it. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. I want the next film to be an actual tournament. Right. It, it, but, you know, yeah. I'll take it for now. Yeah. To kind of go back to what you said about, you know, why not do things a little bit differently? I think it's fair to kind of, you know, want to do plenty of setup. At the same time, I can understand why people are kind of bummed that the movie called Mortal Kombat feels more like a prequel to Mortal Kombat. Yeah, I, but I, I also don't that. know how you set up all those characters in a way that's like convincing and engaging, and mm-hmm. also go through an entire tournament of all mm-hmm. the. You know, you would have to like montage it or cut out a bunch of characters, or then you'd end up with something just as goofy and and kind of breezy as the 95 yeah. film which i'm sure a lot of people would love but you know they're trying to do something different and i think yeah. they're trying to tell something a little bit more i don't know substantial from yeah. a narrative standpoint i think i should clarify because i think I've, i mean i've talked to several people about this film that have just been like why do you like this movie it's so dumb it has to be bad and i was like yeah it's dumb but like <laughs> like you said before it's what really did you expect yeah. like this is very silly and fun, but I also didn't expect to be a four-star film. I'd like it to be a four, maybe sure, you know, yeah. a, a ten out of ten type film. But like, this is a first film that is obviously trying to feel out what people want to see, what people don't want to see. It's mid-budget. It's a director that, honestly, watching the film, it was very obvious it was his directorial debut. Yeah, yeah. but but he honestly shows a lot of. Promise. I feel like you could go ahead and give him the next movie, and it'll turn out better. Yeah, I mean, at the same time, if they want to go the like the Fast and Furious route, where it's like they need to find a Justin Lin who is like just somebody who's just perfect for it. Yeah, but again, I mean, with the Fast and Furious situation, Justin Lin only happened because they did Tokyo Drift, and while the fans hated that movie, Justin Lin just did such a 
honestly, in the, all of those three films, the Justin Lin's three. yeah, Justin Lin's the best director out of all of them. He was just so good that they're like, what if we bring him back for yeah. Fast Five? And then <laughs> here we are. Right. There's a ninth one coming out in June. And, yeah, they should really just yeah. find a person who they can rely on yeah. to really build out this, this I, franchise. I think the producers, I think Juan being involved makes it a lot easier if they mm-hmm. want to go even farther in terms of the rated R. I mean, I think I think they were talked about like they were pushing NC-17 at times, right, yeah. which is all I want to hear about with a Mortal Kombat film that's <laughs> yeah. even better. I think the cast has a lot of potential. It's very clear that the money went mostly into effects, the designs, the fighting, because there's just a, not a lot of huge stars in this film. Yeah. And the bigger stars aren't that huge. Like, I would say, I mean, the biggest star in my mind out of all these actors is Hiroyuki Sonata, oh, yeah. the Japanese actor who right. plays Scorpion, and he's not a He's not really in this film except for the beginning and the end. And also he's pretty much – he kicks ass, but it's like they make sure that they're building the characters of the no-names and the lower – or the more lesser-known actors in here. Because if you, like, ask – I mean, and also even the fact that Hiroyuki – Sonata is a phenomenal actor and has been in practically everything. I mean, Hallie's going to be an army of the fucking dead by the end of May. I think most people will look at him and go – uh, oh, Yakuza guy from Endgame. <laughs> right, and it's right, like, yeah. okay, no, he's in so much more than that. <laughs> but, like, yeah, it's, I mean, they obviously picked a cast of people who were apparently so good at their job. I think both Sonata and Tazlim killed it in choreography to the mm-hmm. point where actors were like, these guys are going too fast. It's, yeah, like, freaking me out. Yeah, like, they, they're they so good. like, an interview where the, the director was talking mm-hmm. about how he actually had to ask the uh, Sonata and Tazlim to slow down Which during is great. just That's, to help the other actors. What more do I want to hear yeah. other than that? Especially I mean, when they finally get to face off, and it's like, okay, well, we don't yeah. have to slow down anymore. Yeah, I mean, Ludi Lin, I think, looks great and has yeah. been in action before. Yeah. The actor who played Kung Lao is a stunt actor, and he also kicks ass in this movie. He's a really good job being a nerd like yes. Kung Lao is such a nerd in this movie I love and it. I love it yeah. yeah and the but like what he has to throw down that motherfucker throws down <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I loved it and it's just I mean yeah if you could say something like I mean I watched it with Adam and Adam was like well the guy who plays Shang Tsung is not as fun as the original and I do agree that's probably the but... biggest thing where like in comparison to the 95 film like that movie knocks it out of the park and this one kind of drops the ball yeah. is probably Shang Tsung and I don't put that on no. Chin Han. No. Uh, I think that's the name of yeah, Chin Han. Um they just, you know, he's kind of just generic evil overlord. Mm-hmm. Um he's certainly not chewing the scenery the way um mm-hmm. he is in 95, but you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's yeah. there. Here's the thing. Here's here's my here's my here's my pitch. If they do the second film and they take Shang Tsung and they take all of his souls and he becomes super old. Mm-hmm. Maybe put the original Shang Tsung oh, actor in yeah, that. Yeah. Or in this film, they do establish, I believe, both Kung Lao and Liu Kang's master, Bo Rai Cho, who is like this kind of overweight, drunken master, master to them. What if we just make the old Shang Tsung actor, Bo Rai Cho? <laughs> yeah. It's even funnier. At the same time, though. Here's the th- I, I, that's the thing is like I just saw this film and I'm like this is rough but I'm having a good time there's a lot of good yeah. elements to it and I really want this to be better and I think it can get better yeah and it's, it it's shows... weird to see people just kind of be like no this should have been perfect yeah like I'm, at first I, I mean I don't know I guess you could blame the trailers for that because the trailers 
just looked phenomenal. Yeah. I thought the trailers for this just looked awesome, and I was like, if I didn't know any better, I would think this was going to be absolutely incredible. Yeah. But I know better, and yeah. you know, I know they're throwing it on HBO Max, and it was like kind of a lo- like a lower mid budget blockbuster. Yeah. They and, they, they know, pushed they're... it back because they wanted Godzilla yeah. versus Kong to get more box office <laughs> yeah. revenue before Mortal Kombat and came in. Also, it's Mortal Kombat. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely it's a mixed. It's it's not working on every mm-hmm. level. But yeah. you can see some gears turning, and you can see things that are working, and most mostly it's the important things that are working. The mm-hmm. action is fun. Oh, yeah. The characters that they're setting up are fun, except for Cole Young. But he could get yeah. better. I mean, I he think could, he now could, is, that he has his powers and he's already, you know, he's accepted the hero's journey and all that, he could be a lot more interesting. If he just becomes a secondary character in the second film, sure. yeah, it's fine. Yeah. I feel or, like... Or split split it more evenly. Do it kind of like Avengers style. Like yeah. mix it up with Jax and Sonya and a couple others and Luke. Oh, Kang. for sure. So it's more of a shared, like an ensemble rather than a lead. Mm-hmm. I will also say and this is something that like kind of infuriated me to see people talk about and not ever catch on in the score. First off, I think the score is super fun. I think Benjamin Wallfish has a blast throughout the score. Mm-hmm. But people constantly are like, there's not enough techno syndrome. It doesn't show up until the very end. And that version's just not as good as I remember it, like in the 90s film. Here's the thing. It's never going to be that song again. You can never hear that song the first time ever again. Right. That being said, I think the new new version of the film song, I think, slaps in its own way. And also, if you listen to that score, especially in the Scorpion versus Sub-Zero fight at the end... My God, there are light motifs of techno syndrome in oh, nearly yeah. every single like piece. It's yeah. so wild in every single song or every single piece. Like especially in that last fight, you can hear like in the oh, trailer. I really loved, yeah, the, yeah, the kind of orchestral light motif of the dun 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 yeah, dun, dun dun dun. I think it's pretty much in every single piece yeah. throughout there, in every single like music and i i just thought it was so well done and the Mm -hmm. best way to put the song in there without being blatant and i also kind of love how it's used at the end of the film where it builds up as you see johnny cage's poster (laughs) and then it cuts to the it cuts to the credits and it feels very much like the original film in that regard yeah and this is just a fun movie yeah like i'm not i'm not saying it it, i feel similarly coming off of it that i did to like godzilla versus kong where it's like that is another i really didn't love it i had fun with it but really more than anything it sold me on more i was like i would watch more Mm -hmm. movies yeah even though i didn't love this i would gladly watch another one i think you were in the room during oscars night where we had a mutual friend where i was like honestly i enjoyed it about as much as godzilla versus kong (laughs) and he went now i do not agree with that yeah well he's a you know an uber uber fan for godzilla so and not for mortal kombat but this is the thing too is like i'm also a big fan of godzilla but but you like both yeah i could i could also be like listen i can love this thing and also (laughs) know that it's flawed as shit yeah and i it's, it's one of those things where it's like Again, they're like, oh, I can't believe Warner Brothers released Mortal Kombat like this, <clears throat> but Godzilla vs. Kong is Kino, and it's like, grow up. Are <laughs> yeah, you kidding yeah. me? They're both fun and stupid. Yeah, they're both kind of Saturday matinee yeah. brawls. And both have very little actual substance other than <laughs> right. the fights. Yeah, yeah. And you know what's better is Mortal Kombat actually can grow from that. Well, as with Godzilla vs. Kong, might, and we don't know. Yeah, I, I really feel like where we're at now at kind of 
the way this movie turned out, and it was interesting that you brought up Justin Lin and Fast and Furious earlier, I feel like this has the potential to be, you know, a high fantasy action Fast, Fast and, and Furious. Furious. Yes. You know, a dumb, fun... What's wrong with that? Balls-to-the-wall franchise yeah. of just kick-ass action. Like, yeah. I would love it. This is it's a, like, I mean, that's what Mortal Kombat is. Like, yeah. it, it's what the this, point of it. This isn't fucking Metal Gear. <laughs> yeah. There's no real political undertones in Mortal Kombat. Right, yeah. Like, this is, yeah, it is just a fun, dumb, really yeah. well-done fantasy, fran- like, video game franchise that could be done very fun as well. Yeah. I mean, the video games still have that vibe of, like, when they do story modes... They have to find a way to force them to fight if there's not a tournament. <laughs> right. Where it's like this character's like, hey, I know we're in a different realm and I shouldn't do this, but I'm going to do it anyway because fuck them. And then you guys get into fights and it's like, <laughs> right. yeah, well, no shit he did that. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know. I don't, I mean, I, I've, just, I've gotten so many people just be like, well, why, this is so dumb. Why is this like this? Why is it not like the games? And it's like, it doesn't have to be the games. <laughs> yeah. I know it's crazy to say because we've gotten so many video game movies that kind of suck because they don't follow the games yeah. more. But I think this film, at the moment, follows the games enough at the time. Yeah. And hopefully, unlike Annihilation, if this film gets a sequel, yeah. it'll follow it more, play with the sillier aspects more. Because they've already established, you know, we're probably going to get some undead fighters in the next film. <laughs> yeah. So, like, you know, play with the sillier aspects more, but, you know, give us more fights, give us an actual Mortal Kombat. Yeah. And we'll be fine. Yeah, th- this it's... was one of the rare video game movies where, you know, walking out of it, I didn't feel like either A, we're not getting another one, or B, I really hope we don't get another one. Like, this one, yeah. even though it wasn't great, I walked out of it feeling like... That showed a lot of promise. I feel like we could really go places if, with this, and I would like to. Listen, if the fucking Tomb Raider reboot can get a sequel, or at least get yeah. a possible sequel, I feel like this film should have a chance to also get a sequel and yeah. at least grow grow from it. Because I feel like it's hard now. I think I think it's now even harder to make video game movies at this very moment because video games at this moment are practically playable movies. Yeah to an obnoxious degree, which a lot of people hate or a lot of people love. Yeah. And it's hard to really be like, what if we do a playable movie but you don't play it anymore? It's <laughs> yeah. basically what a video game movie becomes. Well, it's like maybe that's why we should start looking toward games like Mortal Kombat that are a little bit less, you know, playable movies. Yeah. You know, rather than trying to do Tomb Raider or The Last of Us, which are mm-hmm. already, you know, in some ways already cinematic works. Mm-hmm. You know, go for the stuff that's a little more video gamey and try and yeah. adapt it into a movie. What we're really trying to say in this whole podcast <laughs> has basically been is put Boo Boo Stewart as Nightwolf in the sequel. Oh, yeah. Please. Oh, and yeah. I also can't take credit for that joke. Our uh, fellow <laughs> review friend Alec Toombs brought that up <laughs> when we were talking the other day. Yeah. He's like, put your guy Boo Boo Stewart as Nightwolf. How that would, would that be? That would be amazing. And that would actually kind of be wonderful if they could, you know, make Nightwolf an actual character. Yeah. Boo boo, make like Kung Lao and throw your hat in the ring. Oh, please. Throw some tomahawks. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's 2021's Mortal Kombat. Uh, if you have HBO Max, we would both recommend giving it a watch. Sure, yeah, check it out. If you want to see it in theaters, that is entirely up to you. But I feel like <laughs> if you just give it a shot in general, yeah, I think you. I think for a lot of people who like action, you'll get enough fun out of it. Yeah, I definitely think it, it just shows a lot of potential and... Mm-hmm. It's enough fun in its own right. Yeah. And now we're doing another massive shift for trilogies. (laughs) 
This whole month has gone from Godzilla to Goro Miyazaki to Mortal Kombat. And you must be wondering what we're doing next. The massive shift we're doing for May, <laughs> we're going into Taylor Sheridan. Yeah. So do you want to explain Taylor Sheridan for everybody? Sure, yeah. Taylor Sheridan's a screenwriter and, and director and actually uh, actor, retired actor, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> who is known for uh, Sicario, Hell or High Water. He has a show, Yellowstone, on Paramount? It's now Paramount, yeah. Paramount yeah, yeah. Plus, or it was on the Paramount Network. It's on Paramount Network. Yeah. Um, but he he's a, an American <clears throat> screenwriter and director who's kind of known for telling stories set against, you know, the American landscape, um, stories about kind of political uh, strife and, and that sort of thing and economic issues. Um, <clears throat> and so we're doing kind of our version of his Frontier trilogy. Traditionally, people on the Internet have kind of labeled Sicario, Hell or High Water, and Wind River as his American Frontier trilogy. We're going to lop off Sicario because mm-hmm. uh, he's got a new movie coming out. Uh, called Those Who Wish Me Dead. Mm-hmm. It's uh, kind of a crime murder thriller set against a wildfire. Um, in Where is it? Is it in a specific part? I don't remember. It is, but I can't remember where it's, it is. But. It stars Angelina Jolie, Nicholas Holt, John mm-hmm. Bernthal, Amy yeah. Gillen. We decided to do this one mainly because all three of these films, Hell or High Water, Wind River, and Those Who Wish Me Dead, all are more Americana frontier yeah, than Sicario is. Right, Sicario is set on the border between the U.S. and Mexico and actually spends a lot of the movie in Mexico. And it's also just kind of less about the natural environment. Mm-hmm. Hell or High Water and Wind River and presumably uh, Those Who Wish Me Dead, the the natural landscape plays a huge role in kind of Mm-hmm. what affects those characters it's and a, the story they're telling. It's a character in its own right to a degree. Yeah, yeah. And also with Sicario, Sicario feels more like a Denis Villeneuve, who's the director right. for the film, more of his film than Sheridan's, which yeah. the three that we would choose for his Frontier trilogy feel more like a Sheridan right. kind of work than, which again, we will probably talk about Sicario in the future when oh, we're yeah. talking about Denis because we love Denis. Yeah, he's got Dune coming out he's eventually. Yes. So we might tie into that. Mm-hmm. But we thought, you know, another film that's going to be on HBO Max when it comes out in theaters. <laughs> we're really, we should really contact HBO and get some sponsorship. We money. really should. <laughs> but um, yeah, we decided to, to kind of switch it up again. And so May eighth, May eighth, we are going to be we're going to be cold. Yeah, we're going to be yeah. we're going to be dark. We'll be taking a break. May eighth. Yep. No, no episode May eighth because uh, today's May first. Because we always record live. Right. Uh, so May eighth, we're going dark, and then May fifteenth, we will have Hell or High Water and Wind River as a dual episode. While as on the twenty second, we will be talking about the newest release, Those Who Wish Me Dead. Yep. And it'll be fun. Because I think, I mean, we both... We're, we're both we, big fans of his work. Yeah. I, and I've I, really enjoyed kind of seeing how he's evolved as a filmmaker. Because we kind of, you know, he's, at least for me, one of those... He's kind of a rarity for me because most filmmakers that I follow uh, were hugely established long before mm-hmm. I ever started paying attention to movies or analyzing them or whatever. Yeah. And he kind of showed up on the scene as a screenwriter and director about the time that I was really watching and paying attention and analyzing mm-hmm. movies so i've really enjoyed kind of being there for his journey he's and to a degree not the same kind of pro- projection in terms of career but like 
It's very similar has a James Gunn situation where it's like Sheridan writes a lot of his films prior and then starts becoming his own director. Yeah. And becomes interesting in his own right. Yeah. And because I do remember when I saw Zicario, I saw it as a Denis film. But when I saw Hell or High Water, that's when I was slowly transitioning into Sheridan, which is what gets us into Wind River, which we'll talk about on the 15th. Right. So, yeah, we're super excited to talk about it. I'm super excited for his film, his newest film. Yeah. I'm very curious to see how it does in theaters because I don't even – because Mortal Kombat's also been interesting because I don't think it's out internationally yet. Okay. And I don't know how those who wish me dead – it'll be – honestly, it'll probably be the lower – like one of those lower tier films in terms of uh, hype for bigger audiences. Right, right. It's no it's Tom and a, Jerry. Yeah, it's, it's no not Tom a recognizable Jerry. property. No, yes. Yeah. You know, I mean, you've got Angelina Jolie, but you know, they say mm-hmm. the the movie star is dead now. So yes, and so um, we'll be curious to see how that turns out. I'm, I, I have high hopes for it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I do too. But uh, yeah, tune in on the fifteenth when we talk about both Hell or High Water and Wind River. But until then, I'm Logan Sowash. And I'm Andy Carr. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.